0: listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexha, what a pass to Anders. A team follow. Branch his ranch fire, she converts. Rhymes again. I shot. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam presented by Apollo Media All Houston Original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Aannis, and you can find me on Twitter at Aiannis underscore five. I'm covering the University of Houston athletics beat for the past three seasons, I'm joined by my co-host tonight or today, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Dion, take it away. What's good? What's
1: good? I'm Dayan Dunlap. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayan Dunlap. But also, be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account that's at Apollo Hou, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify.
0: Whoever you listen to your podcast, we will greatly appreciate it. And Dion, let's start. Let's start right away with the game of the day for the University of Houston athletics, which was the football team finishing their regular season with a forty-five to seventeen win over the lowly Yukon Huskies. Uh, like expected, Houston was really dominant through most of the game, especially in that second half. Ended up winning by double digits and. Clayton Toon looked sharp. I mean, they hit most of the points that we talked about last week. <clears throat> Maybe didn't jump as far as early into lead as, as in a perfect world they would have gone. But in the second half, they certainly looked much sharper. They you clearly tell that we're the better team and Clayton Toon and most of the starters didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter which is exactly what you wanted uh there was one cause for concern with Alton McCaskill once again didn't play in the second half but after the game Dana Hogerson that both he and Nathaniel Dell who, who was also a little shaken up are expected to be fine and will are expected to play next Saturday against Cincinnati in the American Athletic Championship game. Clayton Toon also had a bit of an injury scare he kind of Hit his throwing arm on a helmet of the opposing player or the face mask. Um, and after the game, Toon said that he too was fine. is just a little bruised up. So for the most part, Houston got through this game without any major injuries. Obviously still waiting on Donovan Mutant, who's in concussion protocol. And obviously his status for, for next Saturday's game is still up in the air, depending on how where he is in the protocol and how fast he can clear it. And also news from post game. Dana Holverson said that defensive lineman Cedric Williams is expected to suit up against Cincinnati. He's missed most of the season after suffering a, a devastating leg injury early in the season. You know, within the first two weeks, it, it has kept them out for the most of the season. He will be back for the American athletic championship game. Dan, let's start with the game itself. Like we mentioned, Houston did what they were supposed to do. They took care of business. Might've been a little sloppy early in the first half, but take, cleaned it up in the second half, and put it away. What were your overall takeaways from that game?
1: I mean, it was like we talked about in our last episode. We expected Houston to come out and dominate, and they did. But like you said, it, it wasn't as pretty early, but you, they got the end result that they needed. So my takeaway really was just coming out and take care of business. Now you have the expectation of winning. You come out and you exceed that expectation. While blowing out a UConn who is not really good, just to say the least. And so Clayton, he was impressive, very efficient, um, spread the ball around. Again, I'm still very impressed with how explosive Jeremy Singleton is. It's like we really don't get many opportunities to see him really with the ball in his hands. But when he does hit it, he makes big plays. So that was alarming as well, because just looking at ahead a little against Cincinnati, they have some really good corners over there. One of them, Gardner, I'm sure, who will travel with Dale. So Singleton. They get some one-on-one coverage and maybe an answer to make some big plays. But Ultima Casco, man, that kid is is, is next level. I, I, he's only a freshman. We know he got two more years left as far as at Houston. But that first half that he had, I think he's probably the key to the entire offense along with the offensive line. But the defense, man, they they sack Al really just got after UConn, really.
0: What's your it's expectations true. like for the championship game? Ooh, jumping straight into like you mentioned, the defense they had a, a great game They had seven sacks on the on the entire game, which is an absurd number when you think about it. Um looking already at the American Athletic Championship game against Cincinnati. I think it'll be a good matchup. And I think it's it, it'll be a close match. Houston has the opportunity to be competitive and, and and play the upset, um, especially with the this weekend's results in the in the top five, uh, shaking it up a little bit, it'll be interesting to see how far Ohio State drops after losing to, to Michigan and where exactly Cincinnati finds itself. Is it still in that top four? Which <laughs> they should be, but you, you never know with the College Football Playoff fo- uh, Selection Committee. Their, their committee is always a little bit random at times. So Houston could very realistically be the only thing stopping Cincinnati from being that first five school to make it into the college football playoff. And I think the key for Houston, especially offensively, is going to be that that O-line. Um, they, they've had their struggles the entire season. It's kind of been an up and down group. You mentioned Ultimate Casco has been a big part of that success for, for the offensive group. I think he's going to be important key. He's he's had to lead the past few games with injuries. And I know uh Dana Hogerson said that that he's expected to be fine and he'll he play on Saturday, but that, that's a bit concerning for me. What about you, Dan? What are your what are your keys to the game and do you see uh, McCaskill's leaving the past two games as more of a precautionary measure or is that concerning for you as well?
1: Um, I think the last game was definitely um it was something to keep an eye on that for me and I hope it was precautionary, like you said after the the game that um, Coach Hogerson said that Austin was okay. And I think he's the key because he brings balance. He's one of the keys to the game because he brings balance offensively. And he doesn't allow the defense or the offense. when just become one-dimensional and just be aerated and just throw it all over the field. And so, if he can, can um, be healthy and be effective, offensive line gives him some room. He can run the ball. I, I, I expect a good game. It's crazy. I'm talking to a lot of even Houston fans that that I know and close friends, and it's like they're not. They're they're talking more about Cincinnati being inside the college football playoff and kind of just writing off Houston as far as this championship game. I don't know if many people are really giving Houston a chance to win this game. And from what I've seen from Cincinnati and Houston, I'm expecting a close game. I think Houston definitely has the chance to win it. But it's just different matchups, the offensive line, defensive line from both sides. And then you got the wide receiver uh, Tank Dell going to, to one of their best car- corners, who I mentioned a second ago. I'm sure Gardner may follow Dell, And then Clayton against Desmond Ritter. I mean, they played before. And uh, Desmond Ritter, I think he will be a first-round draft pick. Clayton, we've seen his immaturation throughout the season and and so I think he must have a, a big game. I think this is the biggest game of his career, is the biggest stage, and I think he must come to play.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and, and staying on that tone uh, and that note about clean Tune, he had another sharp game, finished through for over three hundred passing yards, had four touchdowns, and overall the Houston receivers there were nine different Houston receivers that caught passes on Saturday against UConn. And, and before we we get into what that matchup might look like between Desmond Ritter and Clayton Toon. I wanted to play this clip from Clayton Toon following the UConn game, talking about his receivers and just how they've grown throughout the season. This is Clayton Toon following the game against UConn. It goes back to the offseason and times that we would throw on our own, you know, in the summer and and spring ball. And, um, you know, I have trust and faith in all of those guys that they're going to go out there and make plays. and so it's just throughout the week, we scheme different plays for different players. And, um, you know, whenever those plays come up and their, their number gets called, they make the plays. So, you know, I have a lot of trust and faith in those guys. And, um, you know, I think they have the same with me. Once again that was Houston quarterback Clayton Toon on his receivers they on right there that last sentence that he said uh, he has a lot of trust in his receivers and he feels that they they share that trust with him I think the way the season played out you really got to see it on a on the field especially with the way the season started off against Texas Tech four picks it seemed like a lot of fans a lot of people were off the Clayton tune wagon and he he managed not only handle that adversity but also you know have the injury on top of it where he got I could probably got to start uh, a few games and really Toon's uh, confidence never wavered And neither neither did the confidence of his receivers I knew you know there were plenty of times when Nathaniel Dell and others you know, kind of reiterated how Toon was their guy and and they were going to stick with him
1: Right, and that's what still out to me was that word trust. He used that word trust a couple of times, and not only within his receivers, but them having trust in him. And it, it was earlier throughout the season where Coach Hogerson talking about the receivers needing to step up, them needing um, – talking about the receiving core. And then we all know the shadow that was around Clayton Toon, like you mentioned, after that Texas Tech game, and then uh, after Rice as well. And so the, the trust within the team – I think takes them to another level because I I feel like they really do trust in one another out there. Like they really do trust in Clay Toon, which helps his confidence even more to go out there and play like he's played. And I feel like he's trusting the receivers. He's out there giving them an opportunity. He, he, he's like a game manager, but he also takes some risk out there. And I've, I've seen growth in his game from his pocket presence just hit to his unwillingness to put the ball in harm's way and so uh, i think it's a trust all the way around not, not only with him and the receivers but the coaching and staff trusting him and just everyone trusts him but there's still some critics out there it's like okay you beat the teams who, who you beat and whom aren't really good and just look at alabama for example they have one loss They losses to a m who has losses to mississippi state lost to lsu they lost if i'm not mistaken four games on the season but Alabama still in the top four. They're not getting looked at how Houston's getting looked at with a loss to Texas Tech. In my opinion, those losses are equal. I will say and m has played a tougher schedule because they're in the SEC and some of those teams in the SEC are definitely better than the teams that Houston has faced. But it's just look, a loss is a loss, regardless of who you play. We've seen teams who have losses then lose to a team and then beat another team. And so, I I believe that Houston, they definitely trust one another. They have faith in Clayton. They have uh, faith in the coaching staff.
0: And it's shown in this throughout this entire season. There's one more clip I wanted to play from Clayton Tune, and that's him actually talking about the upcoming matchup against Cincinnati. This is once again quarterback Clayton Tune.
1: Yeah, it's been awesome. You know, to win 11 in a row is um, something to be proud of. And then we are – so we're excited to move forward and, and start to focus on Cincinnati um, and, and this game and getting prepared for this game and um, trying to continue to make history.
0: Once again, that was quarterback Clayton Toon talking about the upcoming Cincinnati matchup. I think it's interesting how he phrased it there at the end, talking about making history and something um, Dana Harbison mentioned during his time up uh, following the game against UConn. This team, and then not to get too much into comparisons, but obviously when you think about the recent success the football program has had um, in terms of the, the last team that was really at this level, back going back to 2015, that team that that uh, finished 13-1 and one overall, uh, won their respective New Year's bowl game, and the last team to win a conference championship, the last football team to win a conference championship, they... They always, the way they phrase it, they always are looking at that 2015 team. They have obviously are always looking at the championship banner that that team was able to win. Um, Not to get too much into comparing this team and that, but when you look at what this team has been able to put together as far as their resume goes, there's certainly a lot of similarities, especially just looking on the defense. That Houston team in 2015 had to beat Temple in the American Athletic Championship game. This one will have to go through Cincinnati and what arguably could be you know, the only thing that stands in the way between Cincinnati finally making college football playoff. Do you feel that this team is in position to, to at least in modern history from 2000 going forward be the best football team that the, the university has ever had?
1: I can't go that far because I don't think they're better than a team who were representing a 2015. But I think they can have a historic season and shock the world by beating Cincinnati and, and reaching a New York Six Bowl. If they do so, just now just thinking back to that 2015 team, they kind of modeled some of the same um, modeled themselves the same way defensively. You look at at the cornerback spot; they had a lockdown corner and William Jackson, who's still playing on Sundays today. They had a, a defensive end, Tyus about who's still playing on Sundays today, who was able to rush the passer. And they had um, a plethora of other players. I'm just talking about the Stars. And then you had linebackers um, like uh, Matthew Thomas, who's still playing on Sundays. So you had Sunday – so you had players who were playing on Saturdays then who are still playing on Sundays today. And I think that's the same um, model. You hear this third Ward D in that tough, relentless defense and Houston has players who are on defense who's playing on Saturdays today. Well, this year is going to be playing on Sundays as well. And But just offensively, I, 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 I can't see um, this team being as good. But like I just said, I, I think they definitely can make history. I, I like – the underdog role and their backs have been against the wall this entire season, and especially after that lost people kind of just written Houston off until so one more game. No one's really expecting Houston <laughs> from what I'm hearing really to, to win that game. And so it's on the road in Cincinnati. I, now, if this win, I will say, if Houston gets this win, it will be the biggest win. It did the biggest win, even since 2015, I know they beat Florida state. And, and that bowl game before State rest a lot of their players, but not to take anywhere away from them. They did go and beat, beat Florida State. But I, I think this win will, will trump any win. I know they beat Oklahoma, beat Louisville, but I think this would be the biggest win, especially heading into the Big 12 and just all the climbing around, especially with the recent struggle in recent years. It would be a
0: – Yeah, I agree, especially with the ramifications and the significance of what a Cincinnati win would mean for that program. I think overall, kind of going looking back into the matchup, I think, like I said, the offensive line is going to be key for Houston. They've been uh, a little bit spotty up and down throughout the season. And I think uh, the reason I mentioned McCaskill, I think a lot of it is going to depend on if they can create holes for him and, and have him get a good game going. Because if you could get the rush, the running game established, it's going to be much better for Clayton Toon. And I'm interested to see how Toon does as well in terms of he hasn't really had to face much adversity since that opening game against Texas Tech, where he threw four picks. I think he threw four interceptions for the remaining 11 games after following that opener, which is absurd when you think about it, but he hasn't really been tested. I think against Cincinnati, though, will probably be at least a possession or two where something goes wrong for Houston. And I'll be interesting to see how Clayton Tune if he can put that if something does go wrong behind him. And keep going forward similar to what he did against Memphis where he threw a couple of interceptions. But it, it didn't really seem to shake him. And you step up a level with Cincinnati. I do think the defense matches up well against the Bearcats. You saw against East Carolina Cincinnati struggled. Desmond Ritter had a couple of picks. And really, it, it's kind of hard to evaluate off that game. Regardless, it was on the road. It was kind of the last game of the, of the regular season for both teams they were kind of looking ahead but Cincinnati has shown that they're not necessarily a juggernaut offensively and they will have a couple of possessions a couple of plays well they'll give you an opportunity to come away with a takeaway and I think the Houston defense isn't a perfect opportunity to be able to take advantage of those which is why I feel like this will be a closer game what say you?
1: I, I, I agree. I think it'll be a close game. I, one thing you just said to me, and that stood out, and I feel like it's the biggest key for the game for me, is can the offensive line open up holes for Alton and um, Taysan? Taysan. Because they've both been a one-two punch, but can they get the running game going? Because I think Cincinnati' game plan was to will be to make Houston one-dimensional and see if they can force Clayton to to beat them throwing the football over thirty or forty times. So, but if Houston can maintain that balance in which they've had in a lot of games this season. I think their chances to win um, jump exponentially. I think defensively, like you said, they'll be able to hang with Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati is just a juggernaut um, offense. Like you said, they do have a good run game, some good receivers. Yance Ritter is a really good quarterback who is a dual threat, can do it in the area and on the ground. But uh, from what I've seen from Houston defense, I'm not just uh, scared of Cincinnati offense. Like they're going to just put up 30, 40 points. But Houston offense must maintain that balance. I feel with running, between running and passing, that
0: will give them the best chance to win. Final score predictions. Houston-Cincinnati American Athletic Championship game, uh, in all likelihood against two top 25 college football-ranked opponents. We'll see where Cincy gets matched up at the end of Tuesday. I'm going to go Cincinnati winning the American Athletic Championship game, Uh, but I think it's close, and I think it's a bit of a low-scoring affair. Not too low scoring, but I'll say Cincinnati edges up Houston 27
1: to 24. I, I got a close game as well. I think it's going to be low scoring early in the first half, third fourth quarter. Both teams kind of – both coaches probably make some adjustments and both um, offices to kind of find their niche a little bit. I'm going to go Houston with the upset late field goal to win it. I think it's going to be 37 to 34. Houston um, with a late field goal, Clayton Toon with a game-winner drive. Houston wins by a walk-off field goal to upset Cincinnati
0: in Cincinnati. And that, that's my prediction. There you have it. That's going to do it for our first segment. We're going to transition over to the hardwood where the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team both had a busy Thanksgiving week. Uh, the men started off in Las Vegas having a Maui Invitational in Vegas where they won two out of three games. We'll get more into those matchups as well as the women's basketball team that struggled a little bit in the Cancun Challenge coming right up on Fox Slime JAMA covering your UH athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. ApolloHou, All Houston. All original. Oh.
1: Continuing on here on PodSlam Majama. And now let's talk some hoops as we go to the main side is really where we got the name of our podcast, the podcast. From five slammer jammer, and this man's team went and played in the Maui Invitational. Lost one game, their only loss of the season. Record now five and one. Dominated Butler in that first matchup. Then fell to Cincinnati. I mean, <laughs> I still got Cincinnati on my mind. Then fell to Wisconsin, and which really was a, a really good game 63-65. And they bounced back and just really just dominated Oregon. Um, What was your takeaway from that three-game stretch from
0: Houston? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway came in that loss uh, on November 23rd against uh, Wisconsin where uh, really the Badgers came out and they they jumped on Houston early. They were really scoring. They were getting anything on offense. I know Houston was struggling a little bit. Of, you know when they were they trapped and double team the, the post where they would, they weren't recovering in time, they were giving up a lot of open shots, uh, credit to Wisconsin for, for not only coming ready to play but building on that lead and not, not letting it slip away. I think the biggest takeaway from that game had to do with just how they responded in that second half. And really they didn't roll over and let any uh, Wisconsin kind of run away and hide. They made it a game. They literally they had a chance to tie the game or even win it at the very end. They could, unfortunately they couldn't get off a shot, which was a kind of a brutal way to lose. But I think that fight is the biggest takeaway, and honestly, something that <clears throat> has come to be expected of Houston teams coached by Kelvin Sampson. They're never going to give up, and and it, honestly, it was a bit similar to that Final Four game against Baylor where. You you saw that fight in the team in the second half they didn't roll over now much different in this game but they were able to get back in the game and have an opportunity to tie it or win it at the very end. Uh, I think the second takeaway has got to be a Tremont Mark who finally got his first action of, of the season during the, those three games. Um, I think shooting's still going to be a little bit of a struggle for him. Obviously, um, it seemed like Houston has just shut him down for probably close to two to three weeks after. Um, the scrimmage they did against Texas in late October. So he was in a bit of a, uh, a catching up mode, but I think he showed that he's more versatile than, than uh, just being a jump shooter. And he, I think he did a good job of creating for his teammates. What say you Dan? What were your biggest takeaways from uh, the Mali invitation for the men's basketball team? My biggest
1: takeaways were that Houston has an identity. Not only defensively and rebounding, we are, everyone talks about the culture. They talk about the rebounding and defense and which those are definitely things to um, talk about when you talk about the Houston Cougars being a basketball team. But what I, what I saw in they have an identity offensively as well. And they're still um, finding their real identity as a team collectively. But the identity is there. And my second biggest takeaway was Jamal Shedd. Jamal Shedd, I feel like he had his coming out party against Wisconsin, although be it that last possession, you want to get a shot up. But that's a learning point from him. That was probably his biggest game. Like Coach Samson, he hasn't played in many big games in his young collegiate career. But he was, he was my biggest takeaway because he was inserted into the starting lineup against Oregon after the game against Wisconsin. And when he's on the floor – the identity seems more to what it has been in years past. Having a a floor general who looks to pass first and set up his teammates, which I think just took, which I think just took Houston more, made him more comfortable, Marcus As more in his role that he's been in his tenure at Houston off the ball, still playing on the ball some, but off the ball. And they was able, um, Kyla Edwards is still on the wing and you got Fabian and you got Chaney inside. And so I, I really, really like the maturation of Jamal Shed. I don't know how long I've been saying that he's going to be a good player. He's good. I love everything about the type of point guard he is. I've been watching him since his junior year in high school. And so I think Jamal Shed is the key piece. One of the key pieces, I'm going to say the key piece, because I, I, I agree with you as well. I feel like Tremont Mark is definitely another key ingredient that Houston is going to work in. And I'm, I'm wondering what's their best um, lineup on the floor. Is it playing four guards and have Fabian at the five or whomever at the five? Or is it having three guards on the floor? But Jamal Shed, man, he, he really showed me a lot. And I think this team really needs him. He, he, he gets them started defensively. With his the way he pressures the basketball, he has great anticipation getting steals. And, and, and Fabian White, man, he, I feel like his confidence got even better as he was able to knock down some jumpers and still show that he can score inside as well. And so this team, man, I, I really like what I've seen from this team. When they come out and play a full game, they're hard to beat, man. I, I really love this team. I think defensively, the length that, that they have – the shot blocking that they have with Carlton and Fabian and Chaney. I, I really, really like this Houston basketball team, but that was my biggest takeaway from the Maui Invitational. But going forward, how do you envision Coach Sampson getting Tremont Mark in many minutes? Because one thing I noticed was they had him kind of in that backup point guard role because he initiated a lot of the offense. And in our previous episode, we talked about his playmaking ability opening things up for Marcus Sasser because Teams are going to key on Sasser, but Tremont Margo how do you envision him being utilized as he continued to get his rhythm here early in the season?
0: Yeah, I think it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh for the most part, I think Houston will uh, kind of ease him in a little bit. And really he he didn't really play over more than 20 minutes at all during the three games in the, in the Maui invitational. I don't think Houston and, and give credit to, to the talent they have, they're not in a position where they need to have Tremont Mark be a scorer, at least not in the beginning. He can kind of, he doesn't have to worry about being that offensive weapon in terms of, of creating shot making. He can be more of a distributor and slowly ease his way in. As um, honestly, we're not entirely sure how that uh, shoulder injury is still bothering him or Hermont, how much of a factor it still is. Um, they kind of mentioned it during one of the ESPN broadcasts. I can't remember specifically what game it was. It might have been against Oregon, where Tremont Mart's jump shot still is still a little different. And I know something um, he's talked about in the past before <clears throat> during their red and white scrimmage, how uh, some of that shoulder, the, the injury that's bothered him, it, it's kind of limited the ability for him to rise up on his jump shot, which has kind of forced him to have to release it. A little bit lower than he did a season ago which yeah that's that in in itself is concerning but it's also a big factor and you will it'll be a big um a big factor in terms of how fast he can pick up the scoring load and how more comfortable he is shooting the ball and just what he can do offensively I think what he's shown overall it's good that he's not one-dimensional he, he looks to attack the basket obviously he's still doing a good job of finishing at the rim but I think the key where he'll need to grow from a season ago will be if he can be a a distributor and a playmaker for his teammates. That'll make him a positive asset. And then he can slowly catch up to his shooting and his overall offensive game as the season progresses. I think that's how Houston's game plan will probably be just ease him in and not put any high expectations on him. That's something Kelvin Sampson said after his first game where, I mean, they didn't have him pigeonholed into a specific role. They were trying to ease him back in and have him come come along
1: uh, at a speed that feels comfortable for him. Yeah, I agree exactly what you said. I think Coach Sampson will ease him back. I think he will utilize his ability to, to drive. And there's one thing about Jamal Mark. He, he, he isn't a shooter, per se, like uh, Quinn Grimes or Marcus Sass or even a Kyla Edwards. He isn't a shooter. What thing he is, though, is a scorer. He isn't one of those players that just relies on his jump shot, so that's why I think he still could be effective. He can shoot; don't get it twisted. He can shoot, and he can knock down threes. But with his shoulder and where it is now, I, I, he's a smart enough basketball player, and I feel like the coaches around him is like, don't rely, don't just rely on your jump shot. Use your scoring ability and your playmaking ability, especially if he's going to stay with that second unit because he can initiate the offense. He can be that scorer that can collapse the defense and get. Players like Kyla Edwards shots or um Fabian or um, whoever's on the floor with him, but one player who we haven't talked enough about is Kyla Edwards. Man, he's been probably the most consistent shooter. I love the way he's rebounded the basketball. He's been um one of our best perimeter defenders. Him and um a Moore, but I love the challenge that he took on Garden Davis, who gave Houston thirty points in our only loss against Wisconsin. But Kyler Edwards, man, he, he's been really, really good, especially shooting the basketball. Coach Stanford said he is their best shooter, and he's been their most consistent shooter for what I'm seeing throughout this season. What have you seen from Kyler Edwards um, from what he's brought to the team?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think um, he's, he's kind of fit in. He's kind of adopted the transition into the role with Houston a lot uh, really well, a lot faster. And he seems comfortable out there, especially after the first couple of games with Houston. He kind of struggled shooting the ball uh, a little bit, and that's something that you expected uh, him to obviously get over fast because that's kind of his calling card. Uh, Was just come in and be that shooter, kind of help take the scoring load off Marcus Sasser. I think he's fitting perfectly, especially in the backcourt. He's kind of like the perfect fit for Houston to have and kind of take the pressure away from Marcus Sasser. I know something that Kelvin said. Uh, after the Oregon game, they, they want Jamal Shed in there because he helps not only does he help uh, create and facilitate the offense, but also on defense. he He's he's done a good job of defending the ball and kind of taking away the pressure on Marcus Sasser in that regard too, where Sasser doesn't have to guard the best offensive player for the opposing team. I think Kyler Edwards does a similar thing for Houston. It just happens to be more so on the offensive side of the ball and also rebounding a little bit. I know that's something that Kelvin Sasson, the guards, it, it, it's – it's a non-negotiable. Uh, That's something that all guards have to do. I think overall he's done a, a decent job of being able to get that. I know if uh, you ask Calvin Sampson; he'll say he has to do a better job at it. But I think uh, early on, just six games in, he's played as well as you could expect from him. And, and he has room to grow, of course, but I think he's been a perfect fit.
1: Yeah, and over these next three games, they have Northwestern State, Brian, and Alcourt State before – they travel to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. And so over these next three games, I think it's perfect to do like what we're talking about, continue to ease Tremont Mark in, continue to play with different lineups and see um, what's effective and what isn't as effective. And I, I expect them to just continue to roll on, continue to do what they've done since Kelly Simpson has been here and, and that's to win. I, I think this team is really good. No, no doubt that there'll be in the NCAA tournament. But this conference is really good, man. Cincinnati has had a really good start to the season. Memphis took their first loss. We know the ton of talent that they have. And so I'm really excited um, as the season continues on. I look forward for these next three games before they play Alabama. I expect them all to be wins. And I just want to continue to um, evolve offensively. Defensively, we know what they're going to do. But offensively, I still feel like at times they're thinking instead of just reacting. And I think Jamal Shea can help settle that down. But I'm looking forward to these next couple of weeks and seeing how they continue to evolve.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think the key piece um, that you mentioned early, uh, earlier on in the segment regarding Indian White, Uh, There's something about Fabian White in tournaments and and, uh, multi-team events that he just likes to play. Um, He he really did well, especially uh, that first game against Butler. He uh, arguably has had his best game in his collegiate career. And overall, it it seems like he's done a good job of finally – and and obviously last season he came back – was, I think it was like nine months exactly from his ACL injury, and it never seemed like he had fully um, kind of, um, not necessarily found his role, but he never fully had played into a rotation he was comfortable in. It always seemed like he was trying to catch, catch up last season. And he still had key moments, especially during the NCAA tournament that helped Houston. But I think this season you've seen him where he's completely put that ACL injury behind him. And he just looks a lot more comfortable. And something Kevin Thompson talked about even before the season started where White has been the best player for Houston at the training camp, that's what Kelvin Sampson told us uh, before the first game of the regular season, and I think he, you really got to saw it in the Maui Invitational, which is how well he played, especially in two out of those three games where, and even earned up a spot in one of the uh, tournament, um, the all tournament teams, I guess if you can call them. But I think that that's real promising for Houston, especially at that front court position where um, they have a lot of depth, but they 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 kind of haven't really had one player kind of rise above. Uh, Until now, where Fabian White is going to be kind of that key role, like you mentioned, I think Houston is in a spot where they're trying to figure out what their best lineups are, obviously, early on in the season. So I think Fabian White's play so far has been really, uh, obviously, a big positive for Houston.
1: It definitely has. And one thing it does is it spreads the floor. With his now ability to knock down those three-point shots consistently, and teams will be forced to run out and try to run him off the line, I think that's going to open the floor more for all of their guards that we've been talking about throughout this and its entire um, episode. And so I I think Fabian, I love knocking down the three. I I think that um, that bodes well as far as his transition to the pro game because they're looking for those positional four players who can spread the floor and knock down those threes, and also rebound. And that's what he's been able to do for this team. But I still, I still like how Coach Sampson features him in that mid-post area and lets him isolate. I, me personally, I still want Fabian to get a little bit more aggressive and get busy a little bit more on his isolations that he has in that mid-post area because that's where he really, really can go to work, especially when he plays some smaller fours or fours who isn't as mobile more athletic as he is. I think he can take advantage, whether it's on his face-up game, knocking down that mid-range jumper, or just posting and and going by and scoring with his floater or his hook shots. Uh, I think that's the next step for his game, but it's early. He's still continuing to find his niche of where he's going to get his touches and get his spots, but they isolate him on that left block mid-post here, and it seems to be where he's most comfortable, and I want—I personally want him, like I just said, be more aggressive in those times when they call those isolation plays, because he has the talent, and he has everything um, that goes to him once in and, and those four spots, and so, but uh, man, I love everything. I'm glad he was the all-time team, and you're right. He feels like he just elevates his game in those tournament um, atmospheres playing against, like, one-time teams, and that leadership that he has, he's going to has to do it not only verbally but with his play as well, and he's done that throughout this season. So, kudos to Faye. Keep going hard. I, I I know he will. But like I said, I think he they still need and to have court set. They need that that him to score on the block. Josh Carlton has been doing a really um, good job as well scoring on the block, and him and Cheney, I feel like are interchangeable. At, um, starting Carlton hasn't started yet, but. I feel like at some point, especially if Cheney keeps having this um, hand or thumb pain that he's having. Maybe you rest him a little bit, but Coach Sampson said pain is an opinion, and obviously um, Cheney has um, a high tolerance of pain because he's been able to play through that pain. Uh, we he's been noticing playing through what we're seeing throughout these games, but. I, yeah. I love the front court, man. Um, Fabia is good. I, I, I love their. I love their entire team. I think it's just about Coach Simpson
0: and the coaching staff just putting it all together like they're doing. For sure, and coming right up on Podstand JaMA we go into our third and final segment talking about the women's basketball team, who, similar to the men's basketball team, had their own multi-team event playing in the Cancun Challenge, where they played really three high-quality opponents we'll talk more about their weekend in Cancun coming right up on Podstigma Jamma covering your UHF athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out apollohou.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code launch for 10% off at checkout. Apollohou. All Houston, all original.
1: Still talking hoops. This time, we're talking women's hoops. And they had a a tournament also in which they played in the Cancun Challenge. The ladies traveled to Cancun, played three games in which they came out victorious in their first game against Arizona State. And then they dropped the last two games. And the one I was disappointed about was the the game against Fordham. I feel like that's a game you should win. And just watching that game, I feel like – the inconsistencies from how they play together is noticeably versus the mids. I just feel like some of the things that they do, the lineups that they put out there, it, 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 it mind boggles me to, to see in which – I think it's time to – Coach Chewy has to go down with his guns fight. It's time to put Tierra Young in a starting lineup. He already put um, Layla Blair in the starting lineup, but those are your two best players. Put them on the floor together and, and, and let them play. I mean, those two guards, watching them against Baylor, they play like they could be playing on Baylor right now and be starting. Those are the only two players, from my eyes, from when I watched the game, I was like, okay, Layla and Tierra Young can start on Baylor right now. And um, I know is a first year with the program, but I feel like it's time. The time is now. In my opinion, from what I've seen, this three and four record that they have should, should be um, something – it should be a disappointment is the word I'm looking for. It should be a disappointment. That lost to Stephen F. Austin getting blew out by 21 – at home, okay, that's an NCAA tournament team, but I still feel like you, you don't get beat by a tournament. Then UT Arlington OT game, you lose to UT Arlington. Oh, man. And then coming back, you beat Arizona State, and like I just said, against Fordham. Baylor, you had to start out a really good first half. And if I'm not mistaken, they scored five points in the third quarter. Those inconsistencies like that, it just it – just, I don't understand it. It's, it's hard – for me watching it to, to, to understand what's going on. What, what are you seeing when you watch the women
0: play um, definitely can that call Challenge? No, I think you've hit all the points right on the money. And, and you talk about, uh, talk about the Baylor game specifically where they jumped out to an early, uh, I think it was a 10 to 2 start on Baylor, obviously. Baylor historically what their program stands for in women's basketball, they're a top 10 ranked team. And it doesn't matter when you play them, you're going to you're going to get up for that game. And, and it seemed like they, they were doing that. They were going point for point. You mentioned Layla Blair. She had her best game of her whole college career against Baylor, which is first, that's a positive on her. Whenever you have your key players show up for big games, that's that's when the cream rises to the top. And I think Layla Blair, like you mentioned, Layla Blair and Tierra Young have been two players that, Houston overall they've kind of started to separate themselves a little bit and I like something we mentioned in previous episodes where it feels like Rock Huey and, and the team is still trying to figure out exactly how to um, put the, the best lineup and kind of have the the best roster going forward and utilizing all these players to their potential. I think you hit it right in, in the money when you mentioned the, 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 their losses and Uh, especially with regards to the off season with uh, the model that this team adopted in terms of unfinished business and uh, having a lot of players returning. They're having most of their key players return from last season that they were first team out from the NCAA tournament. And it has been disappointing, not, not that they're losing to these schools because you're, playing sixth Baylor the sixth ranked team in the country you're playing Stephen F. Austin that you mentioned um, was an NCAA tournament last year and Fordham as well it's it's always been a high caliber team I think what's discouraging about those losses it isn't necessarily that you're losing it's that they're honestly they're not being really competitive with them uh, for the most part now Baylor they were competitive for first half and second half they completely laid an egg in the third quarter they got outscored 17 of five in that third quarter which is honestly that that's that's a, that's a big letdown because you you fight them tough and you you show that you have the talent to compete with them and then it just completely falls apart in the second half. Um, that's that's got to be the discouraging part. And like you said, there's got to be something that they got to figure out quickly because the schedule doesn't ease up. They have to play Alabama, they have Florida State, they have Louisiana, and all the, all of these are non conference games, which we mentioned um, something they felt that's, uh, last season, they, they kind of got hurt a little bit because of the way the NET rankings and net rankings and overall, they, yep. they were able to get some of those quality wins, and it didn't really help them. Now, this year, they schedule a lot more high-quality opponents, but they're not even competing they against win. them. They're, 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 getting, they're, they're getting run out the court in a lot of these games. Um, and like you mentioned, they're very inconsistent in stretches. That UT Arlington game, it felt like a, a, a blown opportunity they had Several opportunities to finish it, and not only in the overtime period, but in regulation, and they just couldn't execute. Whether it was, you know, letting players, um, you know, breakdowns on defenses or just missing wide open shots in that UTA game. So, certainly been a a disappointing start for Houston. Now, the schedule doesn't let up, so they have to figure it out quick and try to turn it around. They have a game on Friday against Alabama.
1: Right, and uh, like you said, you schedule tougher opponents, but you're not even competing. And so what, what how is it going to do you justice playing these tougher teams if you aren't even competing? That's the thing, competing. Like you you, you play good in stretches, but you aren't competing to win the game. And so that's what's noticeably uh, about me and this team. And Coach Huey, he talked to um, me and my partner, Matt Patterson. We call the games all their home games on ESPN+. Plus. And they talk. We get a chance to talk to him before each game. And he, I, one question I asked him was like, "This is the first time in your career that you can put together back to back winning seasons. What pressure are you facing as a coach and um, as a team?" And he told he told he was honest. He said, "You know what? I put all the pressure on myself versus on the players. I don't put any pressure on them. I put all the pressure on myself." So he's he's welcoming the pressure, but it's about now. Not only just welcoming the pressure, but coming out, you got the talent. You have the talent, in my opinion. They have the talent. Now it's about putting it all together. I don't, I don't know if it, if it's just being comfortable with the players that are returning, but some of those players, from what I've seen, they're not giving you nothing on the floor. I'm not gonna say any names, but some of them and even looking at the stat line, they're not giving you nothing on the floor. they just wasted minutes, from in my opinion. And so it's just uh, – I mean, it's talent on the team. I, I, I feel if I was coaching, I would shake it up. Tierra Young, I'm, I'm putting you in the starting lineup. Um, Tamara Nard, I will get her some minutes on the floor because she can do a lot what Bria can do as far as offensively scoring. They need scoring. Defensively, they have an identity. We talk about identity, and I will give um, them credit. Defensively, they do have an identity. They have lapses just like any other team. But defensively, they have an identity, and they play to their identity defensively. But offensively is where the trouble lies, where there's turnovers, executing in the half-court set. And sometimes on defensive keys, they allow the same things over and over and over, which can be frustrating as a fan watching. But um, offensively, they need scoring. If it's not Layla or Diamond Gladney isn't having a big game shooting the basketball or Tatiana Hill, it's kind of null and void. I mean, uh, Bria, I feel like she's played really well. I think she's had a good season so far, but um, th- they need scoring outside of their guards. I mean, uh, Tatiana Hill can score on the post, but I wouldn't say she's a low post scorer. And so I, I don't know. I haven't seen them practice, but, I definitely feel like the consistency or lack thereof is playing. It's hurting them for sure. And I'm, I'm, I read some tweets where people were tweeting. I believe our, our accountant said that they, they um, Coach, we should be on a hot seat. I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to speculate or I'm not going to agree or disagree with that. I'm just saying what the people on the outside are saying, and I'm, I feel like with the team that they have, the talent that they have and where the program is going, just look at, for example, a program like Baylor, their men's football team is in the top 10. Men's basketball is in the top 10. Women's are in the top 10. Houston football team is ranked. Men's basketball team is ranked. The only lack there is the women's team. And so going into the Big 12, you got all these schools riding momentum. I feel like all eyes on, or should be on the women's basketball because they have the talent. There's a ton of talent in the city of Houston. But for some reason, they're unable to get over their hump to be a consistently good team like I feel like they can be.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's the key point right there. It doesn't seem like they, they're, they're struggling to figure out whether it be rotations or just with all the time that like you said they have – they had an absurd number of players returned from last season. And it, it, honestly, it's something we we said before the season that, that might work to their favor. It kind of seems like it's going against them. Um, it, it's just kind of um, absurd and not absurd, but it's kind of disappointing um, where they they had a lot of hype coming into the season and really overall, it just hasn't really meshed well. Now it's, it's, still early in the season, they're probably seven games in. They have plenty of time to turn it around now. The problem is they're they're kind of digging themselves in a hole where really the only option they, they said the next step for them to to make was to make that NCAA tournament. That's where they wanted to be. They were in the WNIT last season. That's not where they want to be they want to make they they want to make it to the big dance. Now the problem with it is that they're digging themselves a hole where really the the only opportunity for them to be able to make it will be to win the American Athletic Conference champion tournament and the problem with that they haven't shown anything thus far albeit it's still super early they haven't shown um that they have what it takes to, to dethrone south florida or even central florida who's really been the team that's given them problems um the past few seasons now i, w- I will give them credit for this uh, and the cancun challenge one thing they did do a good job of was limiting their turnovers and kind of uh, reducing that issue. I know they, especially early on in the season, they had an absurd number of, of turnovers early on, where it was twenty five plus turnovers. They they cleaned that up a little bit. Now they're still struggling the offensively. You hit it right in the money there, where it seems like they're just not in rhythm, especially in terms of offense. Obviously, their defensive identity is going to be you know pressuring teams and and making everything difficult for them. But I agree, you hit everything right on the on the nail and. Even then, you mentioned a couple of people that have said uh, Huey should be on the Haunty. I I, uh, have also seen uh, people put that on on Twitter. So there are people wanting, there's a lot of pressure trying to be added on. And and it'll be uh, interesting to see how Huey and that coaching staff uh, can turn it around. Because like you said, they they put high expectations on themselves coming into the season after uh, the success they managed to see and garner last season. So they should be taking steps forward and not uh, steps backward. And thus far, again, super early thus far, they have taken a, a huge step backward, in my opinion.
1: I concur. I concur 100%. And like we've talked about, schedule coming up, you travel to Alabama, SEC team is playing in the, the best conference in women's college basketball right now in the SEC. So you go play at Alabama, then you got Jackson State, Louisiana, then you travel at Florida State, then you have a Texas and m Corpus Christi. That's their next five games, and so right now they're currently sitting with a three and four mark, riding two game losing streak. But like you said, it, it's not to about the losses. Like okay, like we said, you can lose to Stephen up Austin or a Baylor, but it's the way that you lose, and it's like the competitiveness. Just I'm not. I don't want to say they're not competing, but the way that they play. And it's like, it just seems as if I don't, it's hard to really put into words. It really, really is because it's like you, you see the stretches to what, okay, they're doing this and then they just have a collapse. And then you watch your Coach Sampson team and you're almost like, dang, if Coach Sampson was coaching this women's team, I think they'll be really good. And so uh, it's a long season though, man. The, the, the conference is good. And so um, I, I think it can bowl well early. Maybe you take these slumps early, but then you bounce back and get all your momentum going to conference, which you have a really good conference this year. Um, South Florida has already knocked off a rank. I believe they beat Indy. I don't know if I'm not mistaken. They beat a ranked team and they lost. They're a really tough team. They returned off our starters. UCF, um, Temple, and so. On maybe you take your lumps early and you get all your momentum going into a season, but coach U is definitely a, a great guy. I think uh, the pressure is rightfully on him to have a good season. And he said he's welcoming it. And so I think the team definitely, definitely has the talent. They just got to turn it around and, I think they trust in Coach Huey and the entire coaching staff, and they trust in each other. One thing he said, a difference between yours passes that he liked, is this team really likes each other. They really hang out with each other. There's no cliques among the team. And so the chemistry is there as far as off the court. Now it's on the court, putting it all together. early, Like we said, Coach Huey is figuring out different lineups. Coach Huey is doing the same exact thing. And so you got to give him – time and you have to um, know that that's a factor in as well. But at the same time, uh, I, I feel like he definitely should um, play his best players. Um, that That's the thing that I would, if, if I were coaching, I would put my best players out there. And Tierra Young and Brea and Layla Blair are his two best players for the first time in all of games in, in Cancun i seen them on the floor only in one game together, and that was against Baylor. And so I think they can play well off of each other. They both score. And he said they both give them scoring options on the floor together, and, and they need scoring. I mean, you can defend, but you need people who can put the ball in the basket, who can break down the defense and create for themselves and create for others. Both of them can do that. So hopefully she's inserted into the starting lineup. That's what I would like to see and then the rest of that, and just compete. I mean, I don't know what's usually in your timeout. Whatever it can be to stop these lapses during the games because this have a huge high. Like against UTA, they scored 30 points in one quarter and limit them to only three, but you still lose this game in
0: overtime. Things like that can happen. Yeah, for sure, and I think you mentioned South Florida. They've actually already notched a couple of uh, wins against top 25 opponents. They, they knocked off... Uh, Stanford just this Friday. Uh the seventh ranked in the country. They beat Oregon. They were 15th and they they played, they played Connecticut really tough uh, early on in the season. I think that's where Houston is trying to strive to, to get there. You know, they've had a good schedule in terms of difficulty scheduling those opponents out. What they envisioned what their next step was supposed to be was to be competitive and be able to upset some of these teams. So far, they haven't been able to put it together, but like we mentioned, super early. And we'll it, it'll be interesting to see how they can turn it around and how they can figure out what the best lineup is to play at all times. Dayan, I'll let you say the final word <clears throat> regarding uh, any any of the three teams that you want to leave on, whether it be the men's basketball team, women's basketball team, or the football team. What What's something you should kind of your key of the, of the week or something to watch for lack of a better way to phrase it, it what's something that fans should be watching for um, regarding these three teams this upcoming week
1: I mean we got to go to the biggest game that's the football game man everybody tuning in for the football game if you're a Houston alumnus a Houston alumni and you're a Houston fan I'm hearing a lot of people more excited about Cincinnati being inside the college football oh. playoff versus playing Houston so Hey, man, root for Houston. I believe in Houston. I think they got the talent. I think they can win it. And it'd be an upset, but I think they can do it. So support the football team. Both basketball teams, long season, early season. Continue to support them as well, but all eyes on the football team for me, for sure.
0: And on that note, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And also be sure to follow at Apollo Hou for blogs, merch, videos, podcast, and more original Houston sports content. Content never stops. Houston Rockets finally have won two games in a row, so see, it seems like they've turned a bit of a corner. Obviously, still much in a rebuilding phase, and of course the Astros and free agency. <clears throat> also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the official Pod Slamma Jamma Twitter account, as you see it in the description of the podcast at Pod Slamma Jamma. Only the P, S, and Js are capitalized. on, I'll let you sign us off. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. Like Andy said, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe
1: to our POS, and our official personal accounts as well. I'm excited to be a Houston Cougar alumnus. The football team, basketball teams are all thriving right now. But as always, we're signing off, and go Cougs.